right, good morning, everyone. Great to see you today. And once again, happy Mother's Day uh, to all the moms in the house and all the moms watching online. We love you and we thank God uh, for you. And in honor of Mother's Day, we are launching into a new teaching series called I Choose Us. And it's really about relationships and how do we have healthy, God-honoring relationships in our marriage, in our home, in our friendships, and all the relationships that we have. So it starts on Mother's Day, ends on Father's Day. And so I hope that you'll stay with us uh, through this series and just try to apply these things to your own uh, families. All right, so why don't you get your Bible? Why don't you open up with me to Galatians uh, chapter 5. That's where we're going to be today, Galatians chapter 5. And uh, as you open this chapter up, you're opening up to a battle, a battlefield. And uh, it, it, there's a conflict brewing in Galatians 5. Now, it's not a conflict between nations. It's not a conflict even between families. It's really a conflict within us, right, within our own self. And the Apostle Paul is writing this letter to these churches in the area of Galatia, and he's encouraging them uh, to walk with God. And, and he's acknowledging the fact that many times we want to walk with God, and then sometimes we don't want to walk with God. You ever feel that way? Yeah, I, I want to do the right thing, and then I don't do the right thing. And there's this conflict within us, and what he calls that conflict is the flesh, which is our selfish sinful tendency, right? And then the spirit of God who's working to reform and change us on the inside. And so there's this conflict, uh, kind of a tug of war between the two. That's what he's talking about in Galatians 5. So let's look at, look at it together. Galatians 5, beginning at verse 16. This is the word of God, amen? He said, I say then, walk by the spirit and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the spirit, and the spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. Now stop right there. You notice the, the tug of war that's going on here. He said, man, I, 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 I want to do the right thing, but I don't do the right thing. And I, I want to be a good husband, but I'm not sometimes. And I want to be a good wife, but I'm not sometimes. And I, I want to be patient, but I'm not sometimes. And uh, I want to eat that, that cookie, and I do sometimes. And I, I, I don't do what I want to do, and I often, uh, I don't do what I want to do, and I often do what I don't want to do. The Apostle Paul talks about it in Romans as well. You have this battle on the inside. And it's like, you know, I heard one guy say, he said, I'm so bad at being good and I'm so good at being bad. I don't know if you've ever felt that way, that conflict within you. That's what he's talking about. And so how do we win that conflict? How, what do we do when that conflict arises? Well, look at verse 18. Look at what he says in verse 18. He said, but if you were led by the Spirit then you're not under the law. You're really what he's saying here is that we need to be led by the Spirit. We don't need regulation, which is law. We need transformation, which is the work of the Holy Spirit within us. And so what Paul is writing about here is how do we change on the inside? And how do these changes really impact the relationships that we have? And that's what we're going to be talking about throughout this series. But here's a principle that I'm probably going to give you every Sunday, 
all right? So I'm gonna be drilling this in. You're gonna, Craig, you're repeating yourself. That's right. I'm gonna give this principle to you almost every Sunday because it's what he's driving home about our relationships. Here it is. If you wanna write it down, that'd be great. You're gonna hear it multiple times. The relationships you have are a result of the choices you make. The relationships you have or result of the choices you make. If you make healthy choices of how you respond and interact with people, then you will have healthy relationships. If you, if you make dysfunctional choices, then you're gonna have dysfunctional uh, relationships. And so what Paul is talking about here are the choices that we make. In Galatians 5, 19 through 21, he's talking about choices you should avoid. All right, stay away from these things. All right, these things are going to destroy you. These things are going to hurt your relationship. These are going to destroy your family. You've got to get these out of your life. And then when you get to Galatians 5, 22 and 23, he talks about choices we should make, things we should do, right? In fact, these are often called the fruit of the Spirit. This is the uh, evidence that the Spirit's at work. When the Spirit of work is in me, how do I know? How can I see it? Well, you see it by the fruit that it produces in us. And he actually lists off that fruit there in Galatians 5.22. So let's just look at it uh, together. Uh, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the evidence of a spirit-filled life. These are the evidences of a life and a person that is led by the Spirit. So we're going to kind of take these one at a time over the next uh, several weeks. And what does that look like? And how can I build that into my family? Would you agree that if we were living these things out, family life would be pretty awesome? Would you agree with that? Uh, marriage would be pretty awesome if we lived that way. Our relationship with your kids would be pretty awesome if we actually lived this out. But, but that's got to come from within the work of the Spirit of God within us. So we're going to take a look at each one. But today, uh, it's Mother's Day, so we're going to talk about love. We're going to look at the very first one in the list here, and that is Mother's Day, uh, uh, love. And, and it's appropriate because mothers uh, can teach us a lot about how to love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. I want you to circle that word love there. You know, our culture is fixated on love. We hear about love all the time, right? We hear about love in every song, just about. In, uh, in every advertisement, there's something about love. You know, in, in uh, every storyline or movie, there's something that we read about love. But the problem is, while our culture desires love, many times our culture just doesn't understand love. In fact, uh, our thinking about love in our culture is, is, is a distortion of what true love really is. And you say, well, what do you mean by that, Craig? Well, I think there are some phrases that we hear a lot about love that just get it wrong. They get it wrong about love. Um, for example, let me give you a few of them. See if you've heard these phrases before. Here's the first one. Uh, you complete me right? It was great for Jerry Maguire, but, but it doesn't really work, all right? That's not a biblical thing. Now, you can't look at another person and say, I'm a half a person, you're a half a person, I will only be a half a person until I get married, then I'm a complete person. Eh, wrong. You're a complete person in that you are made in the image of Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ is your completion. You were dead in your sins. He brought you alive in Christ. And the best marriages and best friendships are not two half peoples looking for someone else to complete them, but two full, mature people walking together in a way that honors the Lord Jesus, 
right? So you complete me, not nah, just mark that one off your uh, love phrase list, okay? Number two, uh, love at first sight. We love this idea of love. I just saw her and I just fell in love with her. No, you didn't. You liked what you saw, all right? <laughs> you were attracted, right? Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Hey, hey, love does include attraction, but attraction does not always equate to love, right? Love is much deeper than that. Love is more significant than just your natural attraction, not love at first sight. Number three, uh, happily ever after. <laughs> Every story is like, and happily ever after. Is that true? Can anybody tell me is that true? No, all right? Because even in true love, there will be conflict. In every true loving relationship, there's going to be some conflict, right? Because I'm working off my selfishness. You're working off your selfishness. We're trying to make things work together. But it's even in the conflict that God begins to teach us and to train us how to be more and more like him. And so our pursuit is not happiness, which is elusive at best. Our pursuit is holiness, that we're looking more and more like Christ and that in this relationship, in this family, we're learning forgiveness and we're learning patience and we're learning joy as we walk together, right? So it's not just always happily ever after. Number four, uh, here's another phrase we don't, that's not biblical, uh, love doesn't last. Unfortunately, we have a culture now, uh, a generation that thinks that love is only temporary, you know, if you love somebody, it's never going to last. Something bad's going to happen. Somebody's going to leave. Uh, something's going to fall apart. You know, love it for the moment, enjoy it for the moment, but don't expect it to really go the distance. But the truth of the matter is that it, when, when you really have true love, it only gets deeper and sweeter as you go. Yeah, it's difficult. Yes, it's hard. But even through the struggles and through the challenges, you find a deeper, mature love that lasts. And then the last phrase uh, that gets it wrong on love is I'm either falling in or, or out of love. You know, our culture uh, really defines love as an emotion. I feel love. So love is almost like an emotion that comes on me. I kind of fell in love. I was just walking along and I fell into love, right? And then I just kind of fall out of love. And it's almost like I can't really do anything about it. Just the emotions come and go. But love is much deeper than an emotion. While emotion is a part of love, Love is deeper than emotion. Check this out. Love is a decision. Love is a choice. Love is something I choose. I choose love. I choose to act in a loving way. Listen, if you want uh, your relationships to be loving, you have to choose loving acts. If you want your marriage to be more loving, you have to contribute to loving in the things that you say and the tone and the way you look and the things you do have to be loving. It's easy to complain, right, about, well, I'm not getting this or I'm not getting that or they're not treating me a certain way. But really, we should be asking ourselves the question, am I fostering a loving environment in this family? Am I contributing to love? Am I raising the bar of love? Am I demonstrating love in this family, in this relationship? So if I, it uh, kind of goes back to the principle, right? The, the relationships I have are based on the choices or a result of the choices that I make. And if I want a loving relationship, I have to choose to act in a loving Way. Now, this word love here in Galatians 5 is a unique kind of love. There are actually four kinds of love that are mentioned in the Greek. 
Um, in fact, C.S. Lewis wrote a book, great book called The Four Loves. If you ever want to do a deeper dive, uh, it's a wonderful book I recommend. Uh, but the love here that he mentions is agape love, which is a God-like love. And so what that means is that the best picture of this kind of love is how God loves us. That's what God wants from us. But it's a God-like love. It's how God loves us. And so if we really want to know what true love looks like, then we have to look at how God loves us. So what I want to do this morning is just give you uh, three ways that God loves us or three uh, descriptions of God's love for us. All right, ready? So here's the first one. If you're taking those, jot this down. Uh, Real love is steadfast. Real love is steadfast. We just read Lamentations 3, but I just want to remind you again of it. He said, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Now, think about those words. Steadfast, never ceases, never comes to an end. That's what God's love is like for you. His love is not a fickle love. It's not just, well, he loved me today, but he may not love me tomorrow. Uh, he loved me yesterday, but he, but, but he may not really love me when I do something wrong. But that's, that's not God's love. God's love is not fickle. It goes to the very end. You know, when Jesus was with his disciples, in the last hours, it said in, in the upper room that, quote, he loved them to the end. God's love never fails. God's no, love never fades. God's love never quits. God's love never ends. God's love never gives up. God's love never quits. That's how God loves you. So if you want to love somebody with a God-like love, you have to love them with a committed love. It's a love that is committed, fiercely committed, will not quit, will not turn, will not run, will not abandon, will not turn your back on, that continually pursues us. I think that's what the Apostle Paul meant when he was trying to get his hands around love in, in 1 Corinthians 13, which is kind of the love chapter. If you want to dive into that, you'll find a lot of comparison between 1 Corinthians 13 and Galatians 5, very similar words. He said this at the end of it. He said, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. That's what committed, steadfast love is like. Now, listen, our culture really doesn't know a lot about steadfast love. I mean, we're amazed if somebody makes it 10 years, woo, you know, 20 years, wow, you know, 30 years, who does that, right? 50 plus years, amazing, mind-blowing, right? And it is amazing for a love like that to last. But that's what steadfast love looks like. Unfortunately, in our culture, most of the time, love is more like a red solo cup, right? I, uh, I, I, I drink out of it. I use it. Uh, I enjoy it. And then when I'm kind of done with it, then I toss it. It's disposable. It's not supposed to last. You're not supposed to keep it around. It's just a relationship that benefits me in the moment. When in actuality, God says that love should be not like a red solo cup, but more like a crystal glass that is precious and valuable and treasured and protected and nurtured and honored. That's what love should be like. That's what God's love is for us. And unfortunately, you may be here today and you say, Craig, I know what it's like to be tossed aside. 
I know what it's like to be kicked to the curb. I I felt the pain uh, of someone using me and discarding me because they weren't into me anymore. But that's not God's love. God's love is an enduring love. God's love is a steadfast love. And, And maybe your love is struggling right now. Maybe you're struggling in your home. Maybe you're struggling in your marriage. Maybe you're struggling with a friend. Then, he, Listen, this is not the time to pull away. It's the time to press in. When things are struggling, that's when you demonstrate your love. These are the moments that you get to put it on display, that I'm here and we're going to not pull away. We're going to press in together and I have to, have to get to work on our relationship. Get on our knees together. Get to a counselor, biblical counselor. Get to a pastor. Get get around other people that are going to encourage us in our walk with God. Not fading from the Lord. Not fading from God's people. Not fading from godly counsel, but pressing into it. That's how you make love last. God's love is a never-ending love. It's a steadfast love that goes against the odds. So the first kind of love that he's talking about here is a steadfast love. The second kind of love that he mentions here, real love, is a selfless love. A selfless love. Love isn't me-centered. It is you-centered. Love is not about what I'm getting. It's about what you're getting. That's what love is really about. Nothing kills love more than selfishness, right? Right? Nothing, nothing, I mean, it's poison uh, in the bloodstream. It is dirt in the gas tank. It's the virus in the computer, selfishness. But it's about me and what I'm not getting, I need more. Uh, that kind of thing, it just kills love. Love is a selfless love. And, you know, in Philippians 2, the Apostle Paul was writing to the church at Philippi, and he tried to tell them about this. He was trying to encourage them to love each other in the church with a selfless kind of love. In fact, this is what he said. He said, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others more important than yourself. Everyone should look not only to his own interests, but rather the interests of others. Get that? He's like, man, don't, it's not about you, man. It's got to be about somebody else. Don't look at your own self and what you don't like and what you don't prefer and how you're not happy and what you're, don't do that, man. Be concerned about other people's needs, other people's interests, lifting them up. That's what true selfless love looks like. And then it's almost like he's going, you know, I wish I just had an illustration that could really drive this home. If there was only a person that I could point to that showed a selfless love. Oh, yeah, there is, he said. In verse 5, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who exists in the form of God, but did not consider equality with God something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself to become obedient to death, even to the point of death on a cross. Notice that? He said, man, if you really want to look at selfless love, you don't have to look any further than Jesus. That Jesus, man, he was God. He was in the, in, existing in heaven with the Father. And then he like emptied himself of that. He set aside his glory and he put on humanity and he came and he served us and he walked with us and he went to a cross for us. I mean, just can you imagine that kind of selflessness? If anybody should have been full of self, it should have been Christ, but he, he showed us selfless love. He said, be like that. Have that attitude. Have that mindset. 
think like Jesus, act like Jesus in selfless love. Let me ask somebody, are you doing that? You doing that at home? Selfless? No, it's not about me. It's about you. It's not what I'm wanting. It's what, what, what I'm giving to you. I, I, it's not about, you know, it's so easy to get into kind of a complaining mode. Well, I'm not happy and I deserve more and, and they don't treat me the way I should and, and, and things should be better and maybe I shouldn't even be in this anymore. Me, 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 right? And, and, and Paul is saying, hey, you gotta, you gotta stop that. You've gotta flip that around. How are you loving that other person? How are you pouring out selfless love? How are you loving in a selfless way? I got a text from my youngest daughter, who's a new mom. And uh, she sent me this little text. I, I, I won't read you the text. But basically the text said, hey, dad, did you know that mommy flamingos, follow me here, mommy flamingos lose their color when they have babies. In fact, they're bright, Pink color actually begins to fade because as she's nursing her children, her nutrients are drained out of her and go into her little ones. And only after the babies are weaned does she regain her vibrant color. You know, that's selfless love. A.J. Dillon was uh, a top draft pick uh, in Boston College in 2020 and was drafted by the Green Bay Packers, one of their top running backs. But he spoke very openly about his love for his mom, Jessica. Jessica was a single mom. She was going to school when AJ was born. In fact, she not only graduated college, she went on to graduate with her master's degree. He said, I can remember doing homework with mom at the kitchen table. She worked four, sometimes five jobs at a time. She really sacrificed for me. He said, my mom was the one that taught me how to throw a spiral in the backyard. My mom was the one who believed in me when I said I thought I could play in the NFL. But she also taught me this lesson that it was not enough to have a dream. I also had to have the drive to make it happen. He said, it was my mom that believed in me, my mom that sacrificed for me, my mom that gave up her own dreams for me. His mom went on to be, get her master's in education, become teacher of the year in the district that she serves. But he said, uh, at the end of the interview, he said, I have no shame in saying, I am definitely a mama's boy. Isn't that great? Listen, real love is like, Jessica's love. It's a sacrificing love. It's a giving love. It's a, it's a love that doesn't take but give. Are you loving like that? He said love. What is God's love like? Well, God's love is a steadfast love. It never ends. God's love is a selfless love. It constantly gives. But here's the last one. God's love is a sacrificial love. It's a sacrificial love. Our culture often defines love as an emotion. I feel love a certain way. But God has a different definition of love. Right in the margin of your Bible, 1 John 4.10. This is God's definition of love. 1 John 4.10. This is what it says. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sin. 
Love that. He said, this is what love is. Not that we have an emotion or that we feel something for God, but that God loved us and he proved his love through sacrifice. Hey, check this out. There is no true love without sacrifice. There is no true love apart from sacrifice. That true love is proven. True love is shown, not just in what you say, but how you live. Are you willing to give yourself for this other person? That is true love. Not long ago, uh, I came across this story, I guess you could call it a story, about moms. And it made me think about this idea of love as sacrifice because, you know, moms sacrifice so much for us. Uh, literally giving their own bodies and giving us life and nursing us and caring for us and loving us. There's probably no greater sacrificial love than that. And this story really began to bring that to light. I just want to read it briefly to you. It's titled Motherhood. The young mother set her foot on the path of life and asked, is the way long? The guide answered, yes, and it is hard. And you will be old before you reach the end of it, but the end will be better than the beginning. But the young mother was happy and could not believe that anything could be better than these days. So she played with her children and gathered flowers along the way and the sun shone on them and life was good. And the young mother cried, nothing could be lovelier than this. Then came night and storm and the path was dark and the children shook with fear and, and cold. But the mother drew them close and covered them with her mantle. And the children said, we are not afraid mother for you are near. No harm will come to us. And the mother said, this is better than the brightest of day for I have taught my children courage. And the morning came and there was a hill ahead and the children climbed and grew weary. But at last she said to them, a little patience and we will get there. So the children climbed and when they reached the top, they said, we could not have done this without you, mother. And that night the mother looked up at the stars and said, this is a better day than the last for my children have learned fortitude in the face of hardship. Yesterday I gave them courage. Today I have given them strength. And on the next day came strange clouds, which darkened the earth, clouds of war and hate and evil. And the children groped and stumbled in the darkness. And the mother said, look up, lift up your eyes to the Lord. And the children looked up and saw the everlasting light of the gospel and it guided them and brought them beyond the darkness. And that night the mother said, this is the best day of all for I have shown my children God. And the days became weeks, and the weeks months, and the months years. And the mother grew old, and she was little and bent. But the children were tall and strong and walked with courage. And when the way was hard, they lifted her over the rough places. And at last they came to a hill. And beyond the hill they could see a shining road and golden gates flung wide. And the mother said, I have reached the end of my journey. And now I know the end is better than the beginning. For my children can walk alone and their children after them 
And the children said, we will always walk, you will always walk with us, mother, even when you have gone through those gates. And they stood and watched her as she went on alone, and the gates closed after her. And they said, we cannot see our mother now, but she is still with us. Why is the end better than the beginning? Ask any couple that's been married for 50 plus years. Ask any parent that has raised a child and seen them grow and have their own children. Ask any friendship that has lasted decades. Why is the end better than the beginning? Because it is only through the difficult times, only through the hard times, only through persevering in those struggles that your love deepens and sweetens, that your love matures and grows. That's why the end is always better than the beginning. You see, if you really want to walk with God, if you really want the Spirit of God to work in your relationships, it starts with love. In fact, you can make an argument that love is first in this list because everything else is just an expression of love. But this love only comes from God. This is a love that is steadfast. This is a love that is selfless. This is a love that sacrifices to the very end. And he said, this is the kind of love that God wants you to show in your family, in your home, and in your relationships. And you may think, well, you know what? I don't know if I can do that. I mean, I don't, can anybody do that? I mean, that's just so, so hard. And the answer to that question is, I don't think I can do that. The answer to that is, well, you can't. You can't. You don't have it in you. We don't have it in ourselves to love like that. And that's why he said you have to be led by the Spirit of God. That's why he said the fruit of the Spirit will produce this kind of love. Romans 5.5 5 says God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit he has given us. When you're walking in the Spirit, he will produce this kind of love. Would you bow your heads with me for just a minute? You have to receive the love of God before you can ever truly give the love of God. And that receiving starts when you receive and respond to the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because the Bible tells us that God created us to know him in this deep and personal and rich way. That's why you were made. That's what you're created for. But we have sinned against God. We have gone our own way. We have left our way. We've lost our way. And we end up isolated from God, alone in our sin, stuck, unable to get back to a relationship with God. He just seems so distant, so far away. And that's why Jesus came. Jesus came. God in the flesh. He came born of a virgin. He came to live a perfect life. He came to teach us who the Father was, 
But more importantly, he came to go to a cross. And on the cross, he showed us the greatest demonstration of love, the greatest demonstration of steadfast love, the greatest demonstration of selfless love, the greatest demonstration of sacrificial love. It all is at the cross. The Bible says God demonstrated his love toward us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's how much he loves you. He died for your sin. He was buried on the third day. He rose again from the dead. And even now he's offering you forgiveness and and new life and his spirit within you and to change you completely on the inside if you will turn to him in faith. Isn't it time you said yes to Jesus? If his hand is extended to you now in love, won't you reach out your hand now and take his and say, Lord Jesus, I love you back. I want to follow you. I want to know you. I want to live for you. I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer of faith to do that. And if right now you're unsure of whether you're right with God, but you want to be right with God, then now is your opportunity. This is your moment. With your heads bowed, nobody looking around. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, that's what I want. I need a relationship with Christ. I want to put my hand in his hand. I I want to walk with Jesus. I want him to forgive me and change me. Then I want you to just lift your hand up in the air. I'll see it and I'll just pray with you. I'm not going to call you out, but I'll see that hand. It's your demonstration of faith. And I'll just lead you in a prayer right where you're seated. So right now, if you say, man, God's moving in my heart. I need Christ. Just lift up your hand right now. Just lift it up where I can see it. All right? Lift it up. Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ in my life. Pastor, pray for me. I want to be right with God. All right? Lift it up higher where I can see it. All right? All right. Anybody else? Okay, you can put your hand down. Just pray this simple prayer with me. Dear Lord, thank you for loving me. Lord, I know I've sinned against you and I've gone my own way. But Jesus, I believe you died on a cross for me and you rose again from the dead. So I'm asking you now, please forgive me. I turn from my sin. I turn to you. Thank you for your steadfast love for me. And Lord, help me follow you and live for you. Lord, fill me with your spirit now. And Lord, I pray for every person in this room. Lord, fill us with your love. Lord, fill us up with your spirit. Help us to make the choices this week to choose love, to choose loving. And Lord, make our relationships a reflection of your love for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.